0: You're listening to Environmentally Speaking, a weekly podcast diving into legal matters surrounding the environment, public utilities, energy, zoning, and permitting laws in Rhode Island and the surrounding areas with your host, Marissa DeSatel. All
1: right. Hello, everybody. I'm not going to say good morning or good afternoon. I remember that from last week. <laughs> Uh, But thank you guys for all tuning in to Environmentally Speaking. I am Marissa Desatel, an attorney with a few decades of experience. And I'm Clarice, coming in with your questions and topics for discussion. So before we hop into our topic, um, I want to say a couple weeks ago, I did a little shout out asking for ratings, reviews, subscriptions, things like that, that just help podcasts along. And three of you did. We got three five-star reviews. No kidding. Yeah. Wait, was one of them from me? So I you mean, talk about an eco booth, I don't know. I don't have Apple products, so I couldn't see who. They're probably all from me. <laughs> you can't rate it three times. Well how would you I know don't. you don't have Apple products? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. I'm taking no. it as three compliments and I am thanking. Marissa three times or whoever else out there felt the need to do that so. Oh that's lovely. Yeah appreciate it. (laughs) So what are we chatting about
0: today? You said that we've got a hot government topic. We do in state government here in Rhode Island aquaculture has been uh very prominent in discussions in the media in the professional capacity at the government state government level including various agencies, and then also with the judiciary, excuse me, not the judiciary, the legislature. There are three branches of government. Um, the legislature, not the judiciary, legislature has been looking into practices of various state agencies and trying to make determinations about whether there's a better path forward for the agencies that are involved with permitting aquaculture projects.
1: And let's back up just a pinch. So aquaculture, very similar to agriculture. Agriculture is planting your fruits and veggies. Aquaculture is a water-based farm in the sense of, it's like salmon farms or uh, oysters or clams or, you know, different types of fish. I believe it even extends out to types of seaweeds. So it's farming, but it's in the sea. Just Clarice. Is all of this coastal law rubbing off on you? In the slightest, most minute fashion, I also love seafood. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I will learn it if it is for dinner.
0: (laughs) So for those seafood lovers out there, this might be an interesting topic. In Rhode Island, as well as other states, but since we are in Rhode Island, I'm talking about Rhode Island, There is a principle known as the public trust doctrine, and it applies to aquaculture projects. For the most part, there's always exceptions, right? Your explanation and definition of aquaculture is spot on. The celebration, the aquaculture industry is composed of folks that are looking to create farms that are water dependent to grow and then eventually harvest and sell on the open market, exactly what you said, Um, finfish, shellfish, sometimes lobster, kind of depends on the body of water that you're looking at, but they are products that require water to to grow and and flourish. And it makes a lot of sense that you'd want to have government involved with the permitting of these types of projects because If you know anything about the history of our oceans and and what's considered to be a state-owned water body, you've got an inherent issue with competing uses. Take, for example, Newport, where our offices are located. Newport is one of the biggest boating and fishing capitals, in the world, it's very well known for those types of uses. And they've been in place for a very long time. What happens if you've got a new company that comes in and wants to put an oyster farm in a particular area that they know is good for the type of oyster harvesting that they want to do or, or let's say a a kayaking company comes in and and they wanna store their boats or they wanna use a particular launch point. It's almost guaranteed, especially in a place like Newport that you're gonna have an immediate conflicting or competing use for that same area.
1: So what do you do? What do you think? And specifically though, backing up, we say, especially in a place like Newport because it is such a water dependent community And it has such a popular use of it. So the competing uses comes from its extreme desire and its popularity in the area. If you were say somewhere like out in the Ozarks or the Outer Banks where there's more coastline and the towns are a little bit smaller and more vacation cottage style versus full time community, luxury boats, actual seaports, this conversation would look totally different for the
0: time being, and you you bring up a very good point that a lot of the issues that we're seeing now with competing uses has to do with human overpopulation. I'm gonna get on my soapbox here for a second and probably not make any fans, but a lot of the environmental issues that we have or that we're experiencing are a result of human overpopulation. There's just too many people on the planet and not enough resources to go around. So the more that we continue to populate, the more you're gonna see these issues coming up. And especially with climate change and ocean warming, you're gonna start to lose a lot of coastal facing property. Places like the Ozarks, the Outer Banks, they might be small town now, but people are gonna start habitating in those areas and you're gonna start seeing more of the Newport type conflicting use issues in those smaller areas that seem more spread out
1: with more water dependent
0: use area available.
1: That's a good point. I'm also gonna blame Netflix. Apparently they have a show called Outer Banks and now everybody's obsessed with the place. Well, there's
0: also a show called Ozark.
1: Oh, I do love Ozark. It's a really great show. Okay, so we're back in Newport. I wanna put a kayak business in place. First steps I guess is to check to see what permits are needed to start my business?
0: Yes. And this is where hiring an environmental or coastal zone law attorney is a really good idea because if you don't know, if you don't know what you're doing, you want to go to someone that does, you don't know what you don't know. So it's always a good idea to, to get advice from someone that has gone through the process before you and can advise and, and help with making sure that you're checking all the boxes and applying for all of the permits and approvals that you need. In the case of a kayak center, yes, you would first wanna approach the municipality to see what their permitting requirements are. Then you'd wanna to go to the state or you know, reverse that order, it's fine. But you definitely wanna check with both state and local government to see what it is that they require before you can start operating. And that's just on the, on the public trust issue that has nothing to do with your setting up an LLC or your tax law. This is a very finite area of operation and, and the law industry. I wanna make that clear. You have to do a lot. If you wanna open a kayak business, you have to do a lot more than just check with your state and local government.
1: Or just hire an attorney and let them tell you what to do. That's exactly right. <laughs> Cause I literally started that answer with, I think you do this. If I'm already putting a question mark at the end, I'm going to hire somebody. Right, yep. Leave yep. the kayaking yep. to me, I'm, I'm outsourcing that <laughs> So, um,
0: So in terms of the, let's go with the kayak
1: example again,
0: but it also applies to aquaculture in the state. Let's say you want to put your portage or your entry in an area or entry point in an area that's already being used for a particular use, you generally cannot get approval unless you go through the state process with the Coastal Resources Management Council, because they are the state entity charged with responsibility over something called the public trust doctrine. And the history of the public trust doctrine comes from the constitution of the state of Rhode Island. It talks about the authority of the state to hold certain areas in trust for the public, because the oceans belong to everyone. And having a central authority regulate who gets to use it at what time in what capacity makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, you've got people duking it out. Over the same footprint. And in the context of what's happening in Rhode Island, you've got new industries coming into an area where there is a pre-existing conflicting use in some cases. So you can imagine the the conflict and the, the emotions that go along with that. People feel displaced, they've been using a particular area for a long time, and now all of a sudden they're being told by the government, hey, you have to share this area, or in some cases you have to vacate. And so the question becomes, are you really adhering to the public trust doctrine if you're telling people, you know, maybe, you're, maybe the government's not saying, hey, you have to vacate, but by permitting or allowing a particular activity, they're constructively saying you have to vacate. Because if there's an oyster farm somewhere and you've historically fished in that area, you're not gonna be casting, I don't think, into the into the oyster farm.
1: So the public use or the public trust doctrine kind of protects the public's access in a way to these spaces. It's, it's meant, meant to. to. Okay. And in some cases, I'm, I'm wondering, I think now my question is, how far does it go in terms of granting or keeping access versus allowing other you know, farms or businesses or you know, docks or things like that to come in? And of That's course- That's a million
0: dollar question. That's what the state is struggling with right now, trying to figure out how to, how, to, how to regulate all of these uses.
1: So what do you do as an attorney? What do you do next? As always, it Are we waiting to hear what my favorite answer? The um, well, lawyer. It depends. Then, is this something where legislation is making moves and having discussions, trying to bring some clarity to this? Or are we looking back to case law to see what's going on? There's there's not a lot of case law
0: on the issue. Um, there's a, a, a little bit, but I think we're going to start to see more and more of that if... If people are unhappy or unsatisfied with what government is deciding, that's how you know this, that's how everyone knows this, that's how um, uh, standards are said and decisions are made through the judiciary. If folks are unhappy with a particular outcome and they want to appeal it or they bring a separate civil action to try to get an outcome that they actually do want. Down the road, I think case law will be more instructive, but for right now, it's the state agencies trying to figure out a better process through regulation and policy, and then the legislature taking a look at practices and procedures to see if there's some statutory changes that can be implemented to make it more efficient
1: and better. How much public input are they looking for or are they relying on in this phase? Right now with the legislature? Mm -hmm. There is a
0: a special subcommittee that's reviewing the Coastal Resources Management Council and they are accepting public comment, public input. Uh, I don't have a, I don't think I have a website available to throw out, but if you were to Google that particular topic, it would bring you to the Rhode Island legislative website and there should be instructions there on how to participate if you want.
1: All right, so this is a hot enough topic where if this is of interest to our listeners, they can get involved. They can read up on it and see what's going on. Maybe if they're not Newport based in their municipality or their their corner of Rhode Island. Yep. So is there anything else that we'd wanna to touch on on public trust?
0: I think that we did a podcast a few weeks ago on public trust in terms of mean high tide line and, mm-hmm. and private property, riparian rights. This is a little bit different. I wanna make that clear in that you're looking at a completely water dependent use conflicting with another water dependent use where riparian rights are different in that you've got a property ownership from the mean high tide line up to your, the end of your, your lot essentially. Um, and they're, they're just different, I mean, it's the same principle but they're different types of activities. are contemplated.
1: That actually brings up a good point. Does public trust, does that only extend to areas that are open to public access? If I had, uh, say I had a waterfront house, which that would be lovely, um, and that extended clearly to the ocean, and I wanted to work with a kayak company, does public trust affect the like end of my yard into the sea, or is that something that isn't as clear cut as I'm hoping it is. The public trust
0: impacts your riparian property ownership rights from the mean high tide line. If you were interested in allowing a a kayak company to drag their kayaks up onto your property, no, that's not public trust. But if a kayak company wanted to put their kayaks in the water, they'd have to stay below in the mean high tide line and they'd have to get approval to do that type of activity activity from the CRMC.
1: Okay. So it even even though it's got public in the name, it can still affect any sort of waterfront, water adjacent property. So it's yep. it's got a big scope that it's under. Yep. Nice. All right. And if I was more prepared, I would say see our last episode where we discussed meet high tide lines and, and that sort of water access. But I don't think I have that number on me. Maybe it was like I've, episode 14 or 15. As usual, very <laughs> disappointed in your behavior. We've <laughs> just recorded so many episodes.
0: How could I keep them up? I, All
1: 15. I think that's all I've got today. I'm public trust out. Alrighty. So on that note, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. We especially appreciate you reviewers. Um, if you want some extra love, write a review, leave us some stars, and then I'll shout you out next week. Uh, but in the meantime, if you have any comments, questions, topics you want to hear about, reach out to us at help See our Instagram. Uh, you can also DM us on there as well. And have a good rest of the week, everybody. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Environmentally Speaking.
0: If you're in need of an environmental attorney, we are here to help. Call us at four zero one four seven seven zero zero two three or visit our website at www.desatellaw.com. That's www.desatellaw.com.